Hello and welcome to the Doula Tribe podcast. I'm Tess and I'm from the Nurture Doula Tribe. I'm a postpartum doula, a mother and I'm Irish. We will be focusing on mothers, families, birth, parenting and the postpartum period. I'll be diving into lots of topics around raising children. I want to speak to inspiring people and I want you to learn something. So make sure you tune in. Find me on Instagram and subscribe to this podcast. See you soon. Hello. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Tess. I'm so excited about this one. I'm changing up the podcast a bit because I started it out um, being just for kind of like people who are living abroad. But I think I just want to branch out and just interview everyone around postpartum and, you know, a birth. It's And I just need to be more inclusive, I've decided. <laughs> no, I love i love that get more views and everything yes. yeah and it's just it's too polarizing kind of like a small niche and i just need to talk to everyone so we're changing it up in 2023 so do you want to introduce yourself or do you want me to introduce you i'm happy yeah. for you too sure i can i can try and introduce myself i feel like i'm a very very simple and basic so there's not much here but I'm Shani. I am a mum to four beautiful little babes uh, and I'm a motherhood coach and recently launched postpartum doula services. So that's really exciting. Um, I have a fiance and yeah, we live in Yarrawonga in country Victoria on a little property. We've got like animals everywhere and some <gasps> space and yeah you might even hear the sheep barring at me you never know out the window <laughs> um yeah and I've <clears throat> becoming a mum been on quite the journey you know like I've dabbled in um early childhood education and all these other things but I've landed myself here and it's just incredible amazing I can't believe you have four children <laughs> You look like amazing. What the hell? That's so crazy, good. But I love it. It's so yeah, good. yeah. And did you like have your first child quite young, or what age were you? Mm, yes, yes. I was a very young mum. I was twenty. Oh um, wow! Yeah, months off twenty-one when Edie was born. Um, so yes, very, very young, and a baby myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they say that our bodies are so ready at that age and you have so much more energy at that age, you know, like I had my first at 31. Mm-hmm. So it was very different for me um, energy wise. Yeah, you know, like, but, you know, there was a lot more life experience that it was attached to that, too. So it's it's very interesting, isn't it? How some women have babies young and then other babies have them or other women sorry have them quite older yeah yeah i, I don't know what the average age is in australia i, I know in ireland it's 30. yeah for, okay yeah i did a few years ago read a study and it said like 27. okay um, I, I do feel though it's it would be uh nearing that 30. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's no right or wrong, isn't there? Everyone's at different phases, aren't they? I remember uh, a midwife, actually, I worked in a hospital for a while and the midwife caught me by the arm. I was only like 18. And she's like, she literally catches me, like holds onto my arm. And she's like, 28, no later, no sooner. That's the age to have babies. And like, walked off. She was kind of old school Irish, like, I was like, calm down. But you know what? It's so funny. It kind of imprinted this energy into me. And I remember getting to 28 going, oh, I haven't had a child yet. Like, what am I going to do? And it's so um, funny the impact it had on me, that one statement. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm, that is interesting. Yes. But, you know, I went against her and waited till 21. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you have to be ready, don't you? absolutely or or not ready or not ready already yeah and that's yeah it's beautiful that there's all these different experiences yeah that's it that's it so um that's beautiful I'm so happy to meet you do you have like any values or family values that you know about your life that is I suppose relevant to this podcast like that you can tell me it could be funny or interesting <laughs> Yeah, when I think values, it's something that I review quite regularly in my life. What are my values? What are my values? And am I aligned to that right now? And over the past seven years, particularly of being a mother, they have evolved and changed so much. But right now, what I value and I really trust that I'm instilling it into my kids as well is just to continue to step outside the status quo and really feel into what it is that you're doing and how you feel about what you're doing don't feel like you have to follow society or this this one way of living Mm. um and then I I just really value supporting others and leveling up continuing to level up and learn more and educate and Mm. just to do more um so that's that's a lot of my values Mm. I suppose big values at the moment there's a lot of small values that probably quite boring to share um but they're that they like my core values Mm. lead out to those and yeah yeah I just feel into those and follow them yeah that's great you know and it's so important with children to have that that level of you know influence isn't it because that's what we do it's the influence and it's monkey say monkey do and it's so interesting with children um how much they take in and the things that they repeat back to you and it's quite scary isn't it yeah it is it is they're the perfect little mirror oh wow yes they definitely are that um and what about the work that you're doing now so can you tell me about that and what you're passionate about yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. So back in, oh, like it all starts way back seven years ago or six years ago. I was 12 months into motherhood and I had this unraveling and I just fell into the room of two incredible women who were facilitating rooms and holding the space for women to really understand and learn more about themselves. And that has just snowballed and grown and grown and grown. And at the start of COVID, I launched an Instagram page, main Instagram page uh, that at the time was the Young Authentic Mum. And that was just about creating spaces, connecting with other mums and women and while stuck at home, allowing the space for them to understand more about themselves and that, 
yeah as because we had time to sit with ourselves of course to yeah, really yeah we did what's going on mm. uh and then I pushed it all aside and returned to the workforce and then after our fourth was born off the back of quite a traumatic experience I landed back on this Instagram page that became Flourishing Mums and it was a really really quick evolution into Shani Dickens into my brand and yeah it lands me in motherhood coaching and that is solely based on who we become in that journey and then naturally within a few months and through quite a lot of training and education that I'm doing I landed in postpartum doula and I'm just incredibly passionate and I feel like we're going to go into this in uh, coming up in the next little bit. Um, off the back of trauma, mm. I'm so incredibly passionate about continuity of support mm. and just, sorry, continuity of care mm. and supporting mothers because it can be a really dark time mm. and it's such a vulnerable time that and we're just not given the resources or the time or the space or the acknowledgement to just be. Mm. So that's where my passion lies and that's why I, yeah, am now postpartum doula and also motherhood coach. Amazing. What a journey you have had. It's yeah. like we're, I'm so glad you're here because this is so important. It's, you know, women's business. This is like not for everyone. It takes a lot of energy, but it's clear that you have the passion. So how exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Wrong. It takes so much. It really does. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's so worth it. Yeah, that's it. And if you can see in all the rewards, like, you know, and it all starts with birth. I believe that if the birth goes well and if the woman is supported, no matter what kind of birth you've had, then you will have a really good trajectory, you know, like, and that baby will too. Yeah. So if we want to change the world, we need to start with birth. Like, you know, it's a big vision, but isn't it, isn't it so clear? Oh, so clear. Mm. So clear. It will change the trajectory of your life. This yeah. is it. And your babies. Yeah. So it's very exciting. I'm so excited to talk to you. And because the podcast is all about breath and postpartum support, do you want to tell me a bit about your breaths? Yeah. So or you can just pick one to, since you've had four uh, or just yeah, do them all. No, there's a lot there, isn't there? <laughs> and that's the thing. If, if I go into detail on all of them, we'll be there here for a very long time oh it's up um, to you what you want to no share. so yeah it pretty it all does stem back to my first as mm -hmm. I say I was 20 years old um and I just put my faith in the system and yeah. in the doctors and in the care that was being given to me I was working very hard at the time um in sales admin and at my 32 week checkup I was measuring small. My fundal height was measuring small. So we went in for ultrasounds and I just remember so clearly in that room and the sonographer was like, I'm not supposed to say anything. Like it's not in my realm to say anything, but you need to get back to your doctor. And it was kind of like, oh, okay. And so from that day forward, I didn't return to work and I was 
referred. So at the time we were living in a country town called Ararat, I was referred to a private obstetrician in Ballarat. And it was just a whirlwind, a very yeah, well, when technically it was put on um, bed rest, I was having a CTG scan every day, every second day, and two ultrasounds a week. So, and what was the reasoning? Yeah, so my ED had stopped growing essentially, and there was no fluid. Right, <laughs> she's, do- no she's doing air was, quotes. <laughs> yes, so there was um, enough fluid in one pocket. So I only had one pocket. So they say on an ultrasound there's four pockets of fluid and I only had one pocket of fluid. Okay. But in medical terms, knowing what I know now and looking back on all my notes, there was actually technically enough fluid there for all four pockets. It's just that there was only that one pocket that had fluid and she was very little. So they think she stopped growing at around the 30-week mark. Okay, and how uh, accurate do you think they were? Look, she was born little, but not tiny. Um, and there was very little growth from the 32-week mark onwards. And when she was born, and so she was a breech baby, um, and it was too risky to try turn her, which was absolutely fine. I was quite, um, I was really grateful that I was in a position where I did have six weeks to prepare myself, that it was going to be a cesarean. Yeah. There was no other option. And so, yeah, she was born, she was five pound nine when she was born. So a little dot, but it wasn't tiny. We got to 37 weeks. And when she was born, my placenta was dead. Mm. It had actually stopped um, producing. So that they, they put all the growth and everything down to that. And then, and that just was, yeah as I look back I see now how much of a dark time it was and all of that yeah and we had moved 12 months in I just had said to my partner because we were away from all my family four hours from my family I said right well I'm moving so we moved up here so then naturally we have more children and it's a new system that we step into Mm. and when we were here it every checkup was a different midwife a different obstetrician and I was repeating myself at every appointment. Oh, God. And I was high risk. So there was a lot of appointments. Yeah. Um, high I, risk because of your previous. Yes, because yeah. of my previous. So it was just to watch that placenta growth and all of that sort of stuff and make sure there's enough fluid. And did you want a VBAC, a vaginal birth? I, at the time, was telling myself I didn't. I okay. had a lot of fear around... I, because I had a cesarean, in my head I had this fear that I then wouldn't be able to deliver, yeah, naturally. I don't, I vaginally. Because it's not natural, it's vaginally, exactly. I had this belief that I couldn't do that. Okay. Something that I have come to realise only very recently is I didn't have the trust in my support people either. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so then my the, the second birth, she um, yeah, she grew perfectly fine. Everything was fine. It's just that we got to forty weeks, and the health um, my, my healthcare professional said, "Look, you're probably getting too far along now." Anyway, we're not seeing any signs. It's safer to go in for a cesarean. Oh wow! So we went in for a cesarean, and then and I just got the vibe then that they weren't very supportive of a VBAC anyway, and I didn't ask the questions. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't. I wasn't. You don't, you don't know what you don't know, do you? No, that's right. At the time, I didn't understand that I needed to advocate for myself either. Yeah. 
Well, so you, were, you were like young as well. I was you, 22 Shani? then, I reckon. Yeah, like you did amazing for 22. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, our third was pretty, same thing though, just high risk. And again, different doctors, different midwives, repeating myself. And she was breached though. I had another breach, babe. Oh, wow. And then we went in for an emergency cesarean at 38 weeks. Um, I just had um, my routine appointment and the CTG wasn't great. And so yeah. they said, right, come in tomorrow. You'll have your cesarean tomorrow. We'll get the baby out. She looks like she'll be healthier on the outside. Right. Uh, and then my last birth, our little boy, this is my complete unraveling into who I am now. Okay. Um, I'll try and touch on it very briefly, but uh, at 28 weeks, we were told that he was on the 10th percentile and we needed to get to Melbourne. Okay. So, like, so very, very small. Very, very, very small. For what, for listeners who don't understand percentile. So, you, yeah, of course. So they put everything onto a graph when you're when you're having ultrasounds and um zero percent percentile is the smallest they can be you know tiny and the hundredth percentile is obviously mm. a, a very very large baby and um albie was sitting at around the in between the 10th to 15th percentile yeah but it's all based oh. on an average of you know a few women that they have yes. surveyed yes <laughs> Exactly, and How accurate the technology is that? that they have, and you know, you can sort of say we'll add a bit this side and add a bit on that side, and that might be your average. But yeah, uh, my healthcare team said you need to get to Melbourne, and we got to Melbourne, and it was a really stressful time because yeah. we were sort of prepped to uh, that the baby would be born before thirty-two weeks was the vibe that we were getting and words that we were hearing. Oh wow! And we were we could expect a delivery sort of very soon, and so it was quite stressful. And this was in the middle of lockdown as well, so borders were closed, and we live on the border. Yeah, and technically we weren't allowed to go to Melbourne, so we were then like, "Oh, we'd be able to get back to see our kids and all that sort of stuff." Got down to Melbourne though, and within half an hour, they were like, "Your measurements are wrong. This baby's perfectly healthy. This baby's perfectly fine." Go oh home. my god! <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we came home. Everything was fine. However, my healthcare team said, look, things still aren't measuring great. Like things were fine enough for Melbourne to say you don't need to be here. The mm-hmm. team that's got you is capable of looking after you. <laughs> well, we think. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got put off work again and that was, yeah, 28-ish weeks. And, again, just very regular weekly mm. appointments and ultrasounds and everything how, and everything. how was your mental state at this point like oh, baby number four was, and there's lots of fear like being driven into yeah, you for yeah. every baby wasn't there yeah yeah a lot of fear and it was actually a very interesting time though because I was in a workforce a workplace that was actually affecting my mental health as well so oh. to be put off work at this time was actually quite a blessing there you go and I really got to focus in on Albie while he was in utero and just be really present Mm. and give the energy of it's time to grow and what will be will be Mm. um so that was actually it was actually a really calming time for me once we got the all clear from Melbourne it was okay everything okay um 
but then I started to bleed at oh. around 35 weeks I think okay. it was I was like just having random bleeds okay uh so and where and to put it in context as well we I was delivering my babies in Wangaratta so it's a 40 minute drive yeah um so it was back and forth for about three weeks with checkups and oh what's actually going on and mm. couldn't really pinpoint what's going on but baby was healthy baby was well so just monitor 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 and then um my very last appointment the doctor pretty much said to me you could deliver we could deliver this baby but the hospital is actually really busy right now so we can't bring your cesarean date forward if you have any niggles any signs any more bleeding call us and we will deliver the baby that day Right. And so I went home and I was like, well, I'm still bleeding. And then I lost my mucus plug that night. And I was like, oh. 38 weeks and two days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> this so hasn't you, happened before. You had ne- never had a spontaneous labor. <laughs> yes, never had it before. And the next morning I rang my mom. I was like, oh, I think this has happened. She was like, you need to call them because with all of you, like, because I've got three siblings, my mom was like, I was babies were born within 24 hours with me after that happened. So you probably should get to the hospital. So I rang them. They're like, yep, get over here. That's fine. We'll have a baby to get today. So we did that. And then it was actually really beautiful. I was so present in the whole experience of the cesarean. And um, I had some really beautiful affirmations and it was just a really beautiful time until he came out and he wasn't breathing and he was whisked away from me into the special care. Yeah. And he was put on CPAP and antibiotics and all of that. And we were there for eight days. Oh, wow. Um, And it was just really, this is where my unraveling happens because it was just a really, really awful time with some of the um, healthcare professionals that cared for me. So alone. So, so alone. Um like my desire for skin to skin and holding my baby just wasn't, um, yeah, I wasn't allowed it. Um, yet every time that I did hold him, all of his, where he should be on all the monitors was 100%. And all of these things were happening and at the time I didn't realise how much they were affecting me in a negative way. Mm. And then... Yeah, when I became aware of them and worked through them, it was just like this huge, yeah, like awakening. Yes, yeah. yes. So that was very, sorry, that was probably very long. No, was, no, no, that was good. You did yeah. well. You did well. <laughs> wow. That was, yeah, another amazing journey that you've had. Like, and I just have so much compassion for you because it's, you know, it's a really tough thing to have four cesareans. And then your last one was, you know, quite traumatic. That post-separation, man, that kills. Like, I had that with my first. I had a really good birth and then they just took him. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's not nice. And Mine, mine was only 24 hours so eight days like that's that's tough man like I just cannot understand the policy and the the crap that surrounds medical professionals to do that to women mm. like and I don't think I'll ever understand it like I don't think they can justify it to me at all <laughs> no 
No, and after being through a lived experience, mm. you, yeah, none of that can ever be justified to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, cesarean as well, and I knew that I could get myself out, out of bed because the previous two I was very um, conscious of, well, within, it was generally within five to seven hours. I was like, I want to get out of bed. I want to be up and moving and having a shower. And uh, so he was born at three o'clock in the afternoon and it got to seven o'clock and I was still lying on the bed and I was like, I want to go see my baby. And I got the words, they'd done their changeover of um, midwives and they came and said, sorry, we're too busy tonight. We're not going to be able to come in and help you shower. we're too busy and I went I'm sorry but I can shower myself like I I promise you I know I've got enough strength to get myself up out of bed and shower myself and then I can go see my baby and they're like it's just not going to happen tonight and I (laughs) was probably five hours of crying and then at 1am I buzzed them and I was like I'm getting out of bed and they were like no you're not like I'm getting out of bed (laughs) and I did I got up and I got myself showered and then they're like well we better go see if you can see your baby and there was only two babies in there I said I'm going to see my baby and that was the first time I held him so it was 11 hours before I was able to hold him and I was just like you can't justify to me while you can't what yet you should be able to wheel me down there like that is just it's so against the whole of nature like how can you do that to a mother it's and to the babies as well like Mm. and like you know as a midway for I can't put myself in their shoes at all like how can you sit there and not let a woman hold their baby after Mm. they've given birth like you probably have children you've been through the birth process like do you have that much shit on your plate that you cannot even see how this woman feels? Yeah. It's so interesting. It's, like it yeah. It's I just, just and it, it whole, makes me makes me mad. That whole system is it's dangerous. Yeah. It really and I, but I also do want to recognize that there's some really incredible midwives loads, in that system. There loads. really is. Mm. But they can't do anything. <clears throat> Yeah, they're restricted, like, you know, they're told what to do. Mm. Yeah, and and often they're told what to do by people that don't understand birth, yeah. you know, that work in corporate fields, that run businesses as a hospital, mm-hmm. and, and they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't, you know, be making those calls. Yeah, they shouldn't be at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's scary what you went through. I just feel, yeah, so much compassion for you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was very wrong. Too heavy. No, this is you know, and like if it does trigger people, there, I'm happy for them to reach out to me, and we'll we'll talk it through. Like, and I'll get you some help. Like, I can refer you. I know some stuff (laughs) because that's that's where that's where the healing process comes. Because I'm I'm at a place where I can talk about it now. So hopefully, because I've I've done the work, I've worked through it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have. And, and that's clear. And that is clear, you know, and this is it. I'm going to go back a bit to before mm-hmm. you um, got pregnant. Yeah. Have you heard of the practice conscious conception? I've heard of it and very vaguely understand it. You know, okay. I've got a very, very, very brief understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, like, 
because obviously you probably didn't practice it if you yeah so do you if you had your time back and in in hindsight's a great thing isn't it Mm -hmm. do you feel like that practice would help some people like or you know some families do you understand what it means yeah so I definitely probably would need a um, I, I do know that I need more more education, more understanding around it. Uh, from the very brief understanding that I have, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I do, and tell like pull me off here if I'm wrong. I do feel as though that if you're in a situation where you where you need to be practicing that or you could practice that, it is so beneficial to do it. Like I would mm. really yeah suggest doing it. And yeah. I don't take it lightly that I was very very blessed to just fall pregnant yeah yeah I don't and take it was that easy long. for you yeah 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 I yeah I'm, I'm I don't take that lightly and I oh but you know it's it's it. important though for us to be proud of that too like I, yes. I don't want to, women to feel like they need to um kind of say that we take it like I'm proud of the fact that I got pregnant easily you know because mm-hmm. it's it, I did the work and I um, was with the right person and I consciously called in my children. But, mm-hmm. you know, some people don't understand that um, sphere of thinking. So maybe if people are listening today, they might go and learn something about that. Because yeah. it is an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I do believe we connect with, with our babies before. Yeah. And even if we don't realise that. Yes. You know, yes. and maybe in hindsight, people are thinking, oh, okay, like, yeah, that might have happened. I might have had a dream or it can be yeah. really something small, can't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's um, and I don't want to take up too much time, but I do believe that I, an ED came to me when I was so young because I had this belief instilled in me when I was young. And it's just through generational conditioning that I would become a young mum, just like my mum and just like my grandmother. So I do believe she was already there. She was going to come to me anyway at that age. And like we talked about this energetic footprint, you know, Mm -hmm. like that was generationally put into you. And, you know, our grandmothers are in us. Like it's that science. There is like part of your cell when you are, at conception it's like quarter grandmothers like you know half mother so it's so interesting all that stuff isn't it and um i would plead with women to research it more because it is especially if you're not pregnant yet like that is and for the men as well like the men need to be more accountable Mm-hmm. for pregnancy mm-hmm. for you know bringing children into the world and i think it's so important it is it is and there's so many beautiful uh space holders and facilitators out there that can really help you with that journey as well absolutely and you're one of them <laughs> <laughs> so um postpartum like don't have to talk about all four but up to you have you heard of obviously postpartum depression like this is optional you don't have to mm-hmm. go into your own story but you know what do you think about that and mm. if you ever experienced it like how did you get support for it or mm. it's an open question yeah yeah my personal experience very briefly after my first um baby i do believe i had well i believed i had postpartum 
depression. It was never diagnosed. I never admitted how I was feeling. I was very much, uh, yeah, just in myself and didn't let anyone else in. We're very good and, at suppressing, aren't we? I think we're taught mm, that from a young age. Self-silencing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Sad. then I believe that for probably five years that I just had this undiagnosed postpartum depression and I kind of just, you know, brushed it off quite lightly because I came out the other side and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then I, and this may come up again, but I learned about matrescence yeah. and I have done a lot of study in this and I'm currently in a program at the moment studying it. Okay. Um, Can you and, just um, define it for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So matrescence is the... Um, journey that we go through when we become a mum so the complete unraveling of us and it affects you on every level you know that's there's the psychological emotional social economical it just it, nothing goes untouched by matrescence and it can be likened to adolescence um that can sometimes be a much easier concept and way to understand it mm, like an identity shift yeah identity shift absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so as I understand that more now, I really start to understand that it probably wasn't that postpartum depression that I was self-diagnosing. It was that shift that I was in. And it was just that I didn't have the education. I didn't have the support and I didn't have the awareness of what it was that I was going through. Um, Yeah. I was just, I was in the midst of a very big identity shift and I thought everything that I was experiencing wasn't normal or wasn't common and that I was alone yeah don't we all feel that at one point you know like did you do um mother's groups I did and what I found was because I was 20 and everyone else was 30 years old or older (laughs) you You couldn't identify with them no Mm. no I was this person that was still trying to find themselves yeah Quite literally, I still didn't know who I was before I had my baby, Hmm. whereas they were very much, they knew who they were. Yeah, yeah. And we're much more, yeah. So Well, they they appeared that way. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Well, it's it's very hard to connect with people 10 years older than you, you know, like I don't think I would have been able to do that. Hmm. And the Hmm. council system of mothers groups can be really like, you come or you don't and like no one kind of follows you up and it's a little bit awkward Mm. I did it with my first and I was a bit like disappointed I I made one friend yeah um who I still very you know cherish um Mm. but yeah it's an interesting concept the the council one yeah and I found ours was very much um we just would go and then they'd have someone come in and talk and then it was go home yeah like there was no real like whole space for you no yeah like I tried I'm quite a talker so I was kind of trying to share stuff Mm. and it was nearly as if she was shutting me down Mm. (laughs) it was kind of like I didn't fit the narrative so you need to move we'll just move on from that now like I got a lot of that yeah because I was breastfeeding as well there was only two of us in the group breastfeeding and it was like as if she was put off by that too. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. The vibe wasn't that good, you know? Yes. So yes. Uh, all about yeah. the vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I do believe there is the postpartum depression, there is the anxiety, there is all of those things that are real. Yeah. 
there's also matrescence. And I do believe that there is a big over-diagnosis of these um, mental health issues that are being confused for matrescence. I agree. And then they just give you some drugs and Mm -hmm. tell you to get counselling. And often you can't get counselling because no no counsellor is available. So you have to wait six months and then the postpartum depression is gone. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're through through the time when you needed the support, right? I know. So it's a gap isn't it like and that's the thing but where postpartum doulas can come in Mm -hmm. this is the beauty of it right like because you know it's six weeks but we can do longer oh we could we could we could do a lot longer and postpartum is forever it is Um, and and really like you know the gains that i have seen with women who just make that step and get that support they have a completely different experience to other women, you know, who are myself or my friends are. It's so interesting to see women go through that because they they love it. Yeah, we just we just want to be cared for. <laughs> yes. And even if we can't acknowledge that right now, because we are still so conditioned and in a society where you need to wear a thick skin mm. and get on with it deep down mm-hmm. in our core all that we are wanting is to be cared for and supported mm-hmm. and yes yeah. yeah and we had that when we were you know in the 1920s because yeah. there was extended family around but now we live in cities or regional towns where we don't often have any family yeah. and we think we can do oh. it alone and we can't and we're told that you should do it alone yeah we are and we really are so dangerous because we can't like we literally no. cannot raise children by ourselves no. <laughs> like it's impossible <laughs> it really is it really is and yeah. i just i take my hat off to single women single mothers they're just amazing they oh. they are heroes yeah heroes you Absolutely. know i'm with you there deep compassion yeah i know so you did men- mention matrescence is that mm-hmm. how you say it sorry yes. um what are your thoughts on the maiden to matrescence? Like, you know, what is mm. the core stuff there that women need to know now around that? Yeah, so that maiden, um, maiden to matrescence or maiden to mother, however it is that we want to word it, it is, as I've said before, it's the complete unravelling of us and there needs, there really does need to be more education on it because we it's natural to have and it's just science we get this pull into the baby that oxytocin flow and we get pulled in with that baby becomes the center of our world Mm. and everything is around focused on them yet we then get this pull our brain kicks back in that oxytocin is like lost and we then go hang on who am i Mm. why am i feeling like this why am I experiencing this? Why do I resent my husband? Why do I resent my friends? Why do I resent my baby? Um, why is this so hard? I didn't realize that I'd actually feel like this because I've never experienced it before. Mm. And so it's a very real transition. Mm. And whether we want to admit it or not, every single person experiences it. Damn right. So it is a pivotal transition and it People like to say it's one of the biggest transitions you'll go through in life. It is the biggest, in my opinion. Mm. Nothing will ever trump 
this journey and this Mm. transition you go through. So my opinion on it is I am just so damn passionate about it. And if I could scream it from the rooftops for every woman and mother to know and learn about, I will. And I won't stop until I'm there. Awesome. I'm so excited that you're doing this work, Shani. It's very evident that you're passionate about it. So thank you. Thank um, you. For me. Yeah, because it's yeah, there's a there's a deep passion there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So do you have like any community groups that you're involved in? Like how is how is that in Yarrawonga? Like is there anything positive going on up there that um we can talk about? No. <laughs> <clears throat> I wish I could sit here and say that there is. Oh, damn. Um, we, uh, we've actually just had, we've got a beautiful doctor and midwife that are yeah. both from Yarrawonga and just in the last week have announced that they're doing private antenatal classes, which oh, I'm so excited about. Yeah, that's good. So incredibly excited about. So I do feel this big shift coming for us here yeah. regionally. But we do have um, some play groups with, uh, located at the Maternal Child Health Centre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that's pretty. That's yeah. it. And I actually said to a mum the other day, I was like, "Do mothers group exist anymore? Like, <laughs> since COVID, has mother group mothers groups even come back? Like, what's actually happening? Mm. Where's so no? I wish I could sit here and say that there's all these groups and mm. all of these things happening, but yeah, we don't unfortunately have much going on. Oh, well, we need to start running one of these groups in Yarra then. Let's do that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No problem. I think, I think and I, I do see a good, a really big vision for it as well, like mother's mm. groups where we're meeting out in nature though. We're meeting yes. and we're just holding space. We're sitting in circles. We're mm-hmm. walking with a coffee in hand. We're not yes. sitting down being talked to. Yes. I'm coming. Yay. <laughs> I love it. So that's definitely like a gap in your area. <laughs> yes, it is. It so is. how do you reckon we could do better? Like, is there a vision? Do you have like a big vision? What's the big picture? Oh, I do have a big picture and I don't believe I've ever spoken it. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> here it is, people. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I... My big vision, and I've held it for a few years now, it's on paper. <laughs> this is how I'm to going know. to speak it. <laughs> I see women, mothers and women's retreats happening. Oh, wow. Places, you know, where we get to go and we connect back with who we are through gentle practices. We really step into that divine feminine and yoga meditation nourishing foods yes hot springs you know all that stuff where we just get to and connect sit in Mm. circle and hold the space for each other so that is like the big vision yes and i i feel like it's really not that far away i do know that that's something that yeah can happen yeah um and yeah I do then bring it back to community as like local region community as well. And I'd love to see these villages. I would really love to see like this local village where we have those um, services available for women in the one centre. Like a hub. Yes, like a hub. Yeah, I really, yeah. Mm, Yeah. 
see that That's vision good. as well. Yeah. I love that. It's so beautiful. It sounds so aligned with what I'm trying to do as well. Mm. And I just like my vision is around a birth center. You know, like I really want to find someone to build that for me because I don't have the money. But <laughs> there's always an investor. Always- I know. So if you're listening, can you ring me? Um, but basically, like, you know, this beautiful women business that we all, I think, just we just want that, don't we? Like we nearly kind of we don't know it, but we need it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, and you don't know until you know. Like yes, and, and like know. yeah, until we're out the other side. I feel like because yeah. we're both through probably you know the hard years. Mm. Well, not really, but we don't have newborns right now. <laughs> you know, you can't actually critically think when you because no. uh, you're in feminine energy, and, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Like it's important to stay in that energy, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you're present and you're tending to this baby's needs and you're aware and all that stuff. But, you know, the bigger picture stuff has to wait. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So it does. And we need women like us that that do it for us. Yeah. And, and, and the bigger picture stuff is always going to be there. It's mm-hmm. always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it will happen within time. Like, you know, every, and I believe everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And we meet the people that we're meant to meet. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I honestly believe in that stuff. So mm. here we are. Mm. So tell us about how people connect with you and what services you're offering now. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram primarily at Shani Dickens. My yep. handle's Shani Dickens. You want to spell that? Because I yeah. would spell that wrong. <laughs> I know. It's, you'll get both my names wrong, actually, if I don't spell it out. So it's S H. <laughs> s-h-a-n-i-d-i-c-k-i-n-s perfect and, and i will put it in the um you know podcast description anyway wonderful thank you thank you and, and what um, yeah what services currently, yeah so services right now my postpartum doula services uh are there and it's all on my website which is www.shinydickens.com.au beautiful it is all on there and I have a six-week coaching program commencing in March. So the wait list is now open for that. Oh, wow. And not long after that, probably around the same time, I'll also be launching one-on-one coaching services Great. with mums. And that is going to look like um, anywhere from a four- to six-month journey together where we, um, yeah, over Zoom and or in person and just, you know, that's for the mums that might, Mm. Uh, out the other side and might have traumas that they um reconcile with or are in matrescence and just can't make sense of anything that's happening so talk me through the six week um group one is it like what what would that look like like say i'm I'm, you know who's it for who's your target yeah sure so my coaching is targeted at the mums that i I like to say the new mums, but I know that when we're a new mum, the last thing we want to do is being stuck in front of a being spoken to. So any mum, generally I'm starting to find it's a mums that are six to 12 months in or post. And there's no time frame on when you can do the work. Yeah. So anyone that's feeling 
as I say, like they've got fractures or traumas or triggers that are really um, holding them back or really hurting um, just to hold the space to talk through what has been and your journey and to reconcile those parts Mm. to bring that connection into yourself. Yes. Uh, And so the six-week program is um, going through a process that is centred around matrescence. Yes. Six six pillars, six pinpoints of awareness, and we work through that. Um, What's it called, your program? It's called Becoming. Wow, that's beautiful. And the beauty of what I love about what I do is there's no rushing either. So while I know I've got six pillars that I'll touch on over six weeks, no mother will ever be rushed. If you can't get past that first pillar because you're really, I've got so much going on or you can't move past what's coming up for you, that's okay. We sit there Mm. and we work through that and we go through it together okay and is it done in a group style or is it yeah 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 so that's yeah. a group group setting where we'd meet once a week yeah um for for a call and then the rest is done in your time reflecting mm. uh, and just processing everything that's there for you as well as of course like constant support yeah me yeah how are you capping those numbers for the groups like just so women know okay no no not at all more the merrier i'm yeah yeah Yeah, you learn so much off other women like you really do (laughs) where the gold is isn't it when we come together as yeah in a Mm. yeah which don't mess with us when we're together i know (laughs) so that's exciting i'm very excited to share that because i could probably refer some women to you too well thank you if you have anything else you want to share i'm happy for you to do that but it was an amazing conversation no thank you so much i'm so incredibly grateful for you inviting me here yeah yeah, i love this and as i've just said you know when we come together we're so powerful so i love being able to share and just to like walk the path first as well for mums you know i'm right there with you yeah and we're here together so let's walk the path together that's it it starts here with conversations yeah it does it does indeed thank you so much shani thank you and yeah i can't wait to just keep connecting with you and all of the other beautiful women that are here listening yes we're gonna do some big things i think watch the space yes everyone stay tuned yes (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you so much okay bye Wow, what an episode with Shani. She is an absolute go-getter and I'm so happy that we got to speak. If you want to find her, she's on Instagram and her website is also enlisted in the description of this podcast. She's an absolute game changer and I'm so happy that there's another doula around this area. She has had an absolute amazing journey into motherhood and matrescence as she speaks about wow she blew me away I'm so excited um to work with her and I think you know we're gonna be we're gonna do some good things together so hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and I'll see you soon (music) 